0: Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson.
1: Hi, I'm Kristen Carlson uh, coming to you live from McHenry, Illinois, uh, Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center now located at the Healthy Pet Lifestyle Campus, which uh, encompasses a lot of the things that we've always wanted to put together for our holistic program, uh, pet store uh, with all the products we use, not only in the animal hospital, the suggestions we make to our clients and all the new foods that are coming in. So the pet store is ready to go now. We're all it excited is. about that, the indoor dog park will be finished up this weekend and then our doggy daycare is coming pretty soon as well. And hopefully pet swimming coming to McHenry, Illinois. So all these things, you know, you've put together, you and I have put together over the years in your holistic program and, uh, you know, as directed by you, how do you feel about like this whole thing coming together here with a pet lifestyle campus?
2: Well, like you said, it, it, it basically allowed me to encompass everything that I've always talked about instead of... Uh, you know, sending the client over to uh, a certain place to get food. Now we can provide that. I can Mm -hmm. show them directly. I can talk about it in store. I can go out to the store and talk to them about it. Um, The products that they're questioning or want to know about, uh, we're able to supply that and provide Mm -hmm. it to the, to the healthy lifestyle center. Our holistic program
1: has a lot of like very um, custom items. Like you need very limited ingredient foods. You need certain supplements or the supplements that you know are going to work or you know they have the right um, ingredients or they're leaving out some of the ingredients that you don't want in there and you know for a long time we were getting people who would listen to you then they would go out in the world and try to find everything and that really changed it was just very difficult for people so we decided to you know change that and try to have this as an all-in-one especially incorporating exercise um, and fun and play
2: into this situation as well. So. Yeah, definitely. And we can go out into the dog park. I can watch the dog's mobility. Um, Mm -hmm. they have some lameness problems. If they're having issues with their feet, if they're having Mm -hmm. issues with their back, you know, we can tell right away because we've got a lot more room to be able to let them Mm -hmm. exercise out there and to really tell what's physically what's going Mm -hmm. on. We're in the clinic before it was pretty tight. So we didn't really weren't able to do that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, it's uh, an evolving situation. It's been a little uh, bit more of a project than I thought since we've moved from, I think we were in 2,500 square feet or something, now we're in 10,000. So, anyway, uh, if you're in Chicagoland, we'd love to see you and have you join our holistic program here. So, today on the show, we're going to talk about a couple of things. Um, Well, a few things, actually. One, we have a few questions. The first one we've spent all morning trying to figure out how to politely say that this dog is scaring himself when he passes gas. So (laughs) it's true. And uh, we're going to be talking about him and what we can do to help this dog. He never had a problem prior to this. I know you're holding it
2: in. (laughs) (laughs) He's
1: been laughing all morning. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, ever since he had a dental surgery, He's been scaring himself. Even if he's asleep, he gets up and runs away when he hears himself, you know, have an air biscuit. So this dog is unhappy as owners are worried about him. So we're going (laughs) to talk uh, about that dog coming up. And then also, um, we have a dog with a swollen lymph node under the jaw. And the owner wants to know, besides the worst case scenario, which would be like lymphoma, what can you do for that kind of thing? So we're going to, you know, what are the reasons that this dog might? have a swollen lymph node and then some of the general lymph wellness lymph nodes are something that western medicine just really doesn't even talk about think about do anything with until it's too late
2: definitely until it becomes a cancerous problem you know if they have swollen lymph nodes then we really get scared about lymphoma uh, because it, it does so many things the lymph system and we'll definitely mm-hmm. talk about that
1: okay and you know like a lot of holistic practitioners have realized that the lymph glands I mean, they run all through your body, so they actually do have an important role that needs to be maybe maintained a little
2: bit. Yeah, nose to tail. It's every inch of the body yeah. system involved.
1: You can find our group, which is Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. It's such a fun group on Facebook. I really yeah. like how everybody's kind of coming together and giving each other ideas, helping each other out, teaching us a thing or two as well. And um, you can find that on Facebook. It's Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. We always take those questions, bring them up here, and um, try to help you guys out with any of your solutions. We're always here to help. Um, try to find something to make things better. And, you know, a lot of people don't have access to a holistic vet. They need one. They can't find one. You can go to the AHVMA, their conferences next week. And uh, they do have a list of some of the holistic vets that are out there in the country. Not everybody is, is in the group, but um, a lot of people are. So that might be able to help you if you're searching for someone. And then our group is a good way to find some solutions to whatever is going on. So um, there's some news, though, today that's a little bit troubling. And it says the study has shown more cats could be catching covid than they previously thought. And the researchers who are at the Agricultural University in Wuhan say uh, more cats may be catching COVID and they could be at risk of reinfection. And the cats who catch COVID seem to be fighting off the virus with naturally developed antibodies according to this new study. So it's interesting, their bodies are fighting off this and they're never symptomatic.
2: It's very surprising because you would think there would be a fever, there would be, you know, some symptoms as far you'd as think you tell. Reason, You'd think you
1: could tell. You'd
2: uh, think you could tell. Cats are pretty subtle about their infections. That's why they're kind of difficult to diagnose because often, because they sleep a lot, you know, they sleep 18 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time they're not going to be showing very much in the way of symptoms. And so uh, it's not surprising that the cats would be developing antibodies. Also, it could be uh, the fact that it's not causing a very harsh reaction. The immune system is kind of ready for it because of SARS and other type of respiratory illnesses mm-hmm. they've probably been exposed to before. Uh, it's not a harsh as a reaction as it is for us. Uh, see, COVID is, is a novel virus to our body, So we're having a hard time really converting, and uh, just like oh. other flus um, and cats may already have. Uh, been exposed to something similar really? so it's not really hitting that hard.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Cats have a lot of different type of upper respiratory exposures and weird stuff that they can get even as a kitten. Canine virus, can. um rhinovirus, uh, uh yeah. just describe some of those.
2: Yep. Rhinotracheitis, um calicivirus, herpes virus, uh, these are part of that kind of generic feline distemper category. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is the, the classic feline distemper virus as well. Um, they usually are exposed as kitties. It can become very severe um, and they can succumb to the, the disease early on as kittens, uh, especially less than 10 weeks old. Uh, after that, they can be carriers for it or they can be asymptomatic carriers most of the time and say 80% of the time they're asymptomatic carriers and, and usually a, a stray kitten or a shelter-type cat that you've you've adopted, where you might see the brown discharge in the mm-hmm. eyes. That's a classic case of a cat that's been exposed to it. That was a it's an asymptomatic. Exposed to which? Uh, it could be any one <laughs> of them. Any one of those.
1: Oh, okay.
2: And you could, uh, you could figure out, um, you know, by testing them and swabbing them whether they. Uh, would have which one. It's not really as important to know to identify the exact virus as much as to, you know, just when they see start symptoms dreaming. that we start to, to know that they've been exposed to one or the oh, other.
1: okay. Yeah. Well, there's 46 cats in this study and 15 had COVID-19 antibodies present. And of those 15, 11 show the presence of neutralizing antibodies. So maybe there's something that can be done uh, based on the cat research that could help people.
2: Definitely, because upper respiratory in cats and upper respiratory in people are kind of similar. You know, cats uh, are just as sensitive to things as we are. So it could be a really good study and find out how they have been getting through this without being very, very sick, you know, very, very sick.
1: Oh, okay. All right. And then it also does say, once again, if you are sick with COVID, just stay away from your cat. Your cat maybe can get it from you, but the cats aren't giving it to anyone else. So that's um, good news. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like nothing new as far as that goes. Right. Okay. All right. So um, at least you don't have to worry, you know, that you're going to get it from a cat. You're not going to, at this point, there has been zero evidence that that actually is going to occur. So that's um, pretty good as far as the COVID situation goes. So, Every year, uh, to switch subjects a little bit, every year there are almost 400,000 cats that have been um, surrendered to animal shelters. 11% of the cats that are surrendered to animal shelters, so that's the 400,000 number, are because of allergies, and about 10% of the United States population does suffer from a cat allergy these are miserable. Our daughter's boyfriend has it, he comes over. I don't even know how many cats we have at the moment in the house. I never seem to know. It's It varies <laughs> all the time. There's always some someone coming in and out. Um, and this is miserable reaction. I mean, the eyes just go and sniffles and, and itching. And it's really uh, very uncomfortable for people who do have that. But it turns out that it's just one single thing in a cat. No, is it a protein that people are allergic to? Yeah. How does this whole thing work?
2: It's called feline D1 protein. And there's actually 10 in from one to 10. It seems like that the feline D1 is the most sensitive to us as humans and, and most available because it comes through the, the salivary glands of the cat. So as they're grooming themselves, uh, they're actually applying this allergen to it. And uh, the, that allergen... Uh, is what we get exposed to as we pet the cat or the pap- pet releases hair. Uh, we used to think it was just hair that was causing the problem, but it's actually that little F- feline D1 protein on the on the hair that's causing the allergen.
1: It comes. Does that come from the saliva or something?
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Okay. And so they're grooming themselves. You know, cats groom themselves from head to toe, and uh, mm-hmm. once they shed or they release some dander, uh, all of a sudden you're you're exposed to. It.
1: So it's not just limited to what's on the cat itself then. So if that cat has licked itself all over, licked its paws, and then it's running around the house, it turns out that so is that FELD one. That's the one. Oh, okay, so not good. Um, It turns out uh, 90% of the cases of cat allergies can be helped, they think. And there's a couple of new, uh, new food and also, a new vaccination that are supposed to be able to be helped. So tell us a little about the food.
2: Well, the Food Perina Company um, announced in June of 2019 that they discovered how they might suppress the allergen uh, through a technique using polyclonal egg yolks. Uh, They could actually get the uh, feline D1 antibody into the egg yolk. And um, what would happen is that they would put that food uh, put it into a foodstuff and they could and actually, the cats could eat it. Initially, the studies were a little more promising because uh, most of the cats were reducing the level of the feline D1, but over time, the average was about 47 to 50% of the cats that were on this food would reduce the allergens.
1: Oh, okay. All right. So, this maybe has some potential.
2: Definitely. But how
1: long does it take? I mean, it's not going to be an instantaneous thing, Right.
2: Well, with food, it can take a little while to get started, you know, because the cats have to eat it and they have to zero convert and everything like that. But, uh, you know, for the most part, it's a lot easier to be able to feed a cat food versus um, we all worry about injections and what that might do to cats and, and things like that. So feeding the food is going to be really, really good.
1: Oh, OK. All right. Very good. OK, so there's another vaccine that's supposed to be coming out to handle the FEL D1 allergen that's produced by cats. There's actually one if you're allergic to dogs as well that's coming out. I don't have any info on that in front of me at the moment. Um, but the company is Swiss. It's called HypoPet. And they're, they've are they done a lot of studies in the United States. And um, I think that what they're trying to do is find some sort of way to, you know, prevent allergies and like instantaneously, so you would go have this vaccine with your cat, and then you'd go home, and that would be it.
2: Yeah, and they can eventually, maybe even do something more autogenous, whether using the cat, uh, your own cat, uh, to produce the serum. That might be more beneficial. Oh, really? Um, that would be coming down into the future, I'm sure, because um, they've done it even with uh, like and potential tumors. Uh, to be able to seroconvert and make an ontogenous vaccine against the tumor that the patient has. So um, a little off subject, but at the same time, the idea is that you want to produce anti-allergen antibodies. And by using your own cat or using the cat's antigen, uh, you're gonna make a more beneficial type of, of response. So you do have to have an injection uh, you know, yourself to get that into you, but at the same time, it may give you a lot of relief, especially if you love cats and and obviously, you don't want to get rid of your cat when, right. you, when you love them so much.
1: I know. And I mean, they're so cute. And it, and then like people get them and they think this is going to be great. And they had maybe have never really been around a cat and never had one living in their house. And then they find out when it's too late. Right. And the adoption rates of cats, you know, like maybe somebody might think about it a while or, you know, they've gotten an older cat. The adoption rates of older cats are quite low. It's very hard to place an older cat. Most people just don't want them so it becomes you know a situation where animals are you know could be in a way tossed aside I mean I get it if you can't breathe and you know you're tearing all the time and you just don't feel good that's that's the way it is but um, I'm not sure in humans how often allergy shots work for people and you know for some people that just might be out of the question and they just can't do all of that, or, you know, scared of needles, all of that other stuff. So, um, you know, I guess we'll have to see how it goes. But HypoCat, I thought was supposed to be released this year, but I think it's going to be released next year. So they're still doing their studies on HypoCat and hypo dog, And both of those, you know, really are giving people a whole new chance of owning an animal that maybe they've always wanted, yeah. but never were able to get.
2: Well, cats are wonderful animals and they, they provide a lot of independence uh, to maybe very busy owners that they're in and out of the house mm-hmm. versus the dog where you have to have more hands on with them. You so they're be home all the time or home
1: at certain times. Yeah. Cats are pretty easy and they're pretty fun. I, that's why we have so many. <laughs> yeah, fun, yeah. We have new baby Persian kittens. I think I'll bring those in next week because they yeah, are so cute. They'll be old enough. now. Yeah. Adorable. <laughs> Um, So we have a question from our Holistic Vet Advice group. Uh, The group is on Facebook. You can join it. It's Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. And we get a lot of really cool questions, stuff we hadn't thought of much, and I hadn't really thought about doing this question before. So I'm glad, Lee, that you were able to um, bring this one in. So she has a dog, and she has a swollen lymph node, and she wants to know, The lymph node is like in the jaw area. She wants to know, are there reasons other than lymphoma where a dog might end up with a swollen lymph node?
2: Yeah, three top reasons would be the first thing that we'd want to do is aspirate that nodule to see if if there's any evidence of of lymphoma, because you want to rule out lymphoma first. Um, The second thing is that it may not be the lymph node at all. It could be a salivary duct. Because salivary ducts are very close to the lymph nodes. Where
1: do they, where are those on a dog? I'm just curious.
2: Well, they're just under the ear. So if you come straight down off of the the ear itself, Mm -hmm. down to the canal, just Mm -hmm. underneath, that's where the lymph nodes are. Salivary duct is a little further up on the jaw, but in the same vicinity. When it's swollen, it's often hard to differentiate. Um, Lymphoma usually isn't a single lymph node. Okay. It's usually multiple lymph nodes, so it'll feel some, like in severe cases, like a bag of, of large marbles. Oh, uh, It can be really severe, um, where a, a salivary duct is usually a single nodule. Mm-hmm. Um, also, abscessation. Dogs get tooth abscesses just like we as people do, and so that can c- cause swelling as well. Okay. So having it aspirated, having uh, you know it f- diagnosed to be sure which one it is, is going to make you feel a lot better.
1: Okay. Lymphoma is actually a really common cancer in animals. So 15 to 20% of new cancer diagnosis in dogs, most common in middle-aged and older dogs. And there are certain breeds that are predisposed, including golden retrievers, boxers, bull mastiffs, basset hounds, St. Bernard's, Scottish Terriers, Airedales, and Bulldogs. All uh, could possibly get lymphoma. Um, In this case for Lee's dog, you're thinking what?
2: Step one, get it aspirated. Okay. Get it diagnosed. Find out exactly what it is. Um, typically. Is uh, it
1: always something bad?
2: Not always. You'd okay. Be surprised, you know, that once you figure out what it is, if it's just on one side, a lot of times it's just affected lymph node or it could be an abscess. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have to be on some antibiotics for that, some anti-inflammatories
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, to get it knocked down. Uh, if it is a tooth problem, we can X-ray it. We can, uh, you know, clear that up with some clindamycin antibiotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, possibly pull the tooth. Sometimes the tooth has to go to get it out of there because mm-hmm. it's a source of, of, inflammation. At any rate, it's the it it's inflammation that's creating either the mutation for lymphoma or blocking the salivary duct, causing the tooth infection. So okay. it's Always bacteria most of the time.
1: Oh really? Okay. Um. So there's some ways to care for lymph nodes. And um, it's not something that the, you know, Western medicine necessarily looks at very often. Why is that?
2: Well, it, we usually wait, you know, traditionally till it becomes a problem. But I like to look at it as, well, that, that's the primary area because it handles every toxin in the body. Uh, you know, it helps the liver out. Um, any contaminants that are coming from the outside, especially from the respiratory tract, it's going through the lymph nodes. Uh, So it does so many things. It moves fluid from the tissue. Uh, It clears out viruses and bacteria. It filters toxins. It Mm -hmm. does so many things. So if we make sure that that's cleaned out uh, with nutrition, we can talk about that after the break, but it's, it's a really important aspect of health. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: Uh, We're going to take a quick break. We're going to resume with our lymphoma discussion and also discuss this dog who um, is scared of his own uh, gas. So (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk about that coming up in just a few minutes. um, And we'll be right back here on Voice America World Talk Radio. play
0: finding your frequency podcast if that doesn't work try adding on tunein or on iheart radio or on apple podcasts Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry is known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
1: self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics.
0: The special needs community is made up of many individuals, from children with Down syndrome to autism and ADHD issues, to those who may have suffered a brain injury. On More Than Special,
1: Host Jermaine Suford and her guest. Explore topics that are of interest to special needs children and adults. Our program is a forum for parents, caregivers, and experts to come together to discuss relevant topics. Listen every Tuesday at 8
0: a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program.
1: Hi, thanks for joining us again. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson. If you'd like to get in touch with us, our Facebook group is Holistic Bed Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. We have a lot of um, ability to help you out there and some of the other people who've been through our um, holistic program here at Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in Chicagoland are also in this group so they can help you out as well. Um, Additionally, um, we can answer your questions and try to give you some direction or advice if you're feeling confused about maybe your pet's diagnosis or what's been going on, or you have no holistic vet in your area. Um, they're not all that common. So we get that. So um, we can give you, you know, some direction a little bit uh, in this group. So holistic vet advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson on Facebook. So we hope to see you there. We're going to resume our discussion now. Lee is asking the question that came out of that group. What are reasons for a swollen lymph node other than lymphoma? So, just recap that for us, Jim.
2: So, to kind of summarize that, uh, the the top three things that could be is uh, the potential for cancer, lymphoma, uh, salivary duct uh, blockage, which can cause a, a swollen salivary. So, a little duct.
1: confusion because they're really close between the right. salivary gland and
2: the lymph node chain. Right. Okay. And uh, the very very close, and when that salivary duct gets blocked, it can swell up and cause a lot of pain and discomfort. Okay. Uh, Also, an abscess too, you know, tooth root abscess could block the lymph drainage and cause infection where you get a lot of neutrophils accumulating Mm -hmm. cause that abscess. All right. So aspirating it, we send it off to the histopath lab. They tell us for sure, what are we dealing with here? Is it one of those three or is it something totally different? And we can provide a diagnosis and a treatment plan based off of that. Okay.
1: Okay. So I know lymph nodes run in chains like throughout the body, correct?
2: Right. There's it can be potentially up to 127 lymph nodes, uh, and all to connected with lymph ducts. And the lymph fluid, as we imagine, the uh artery, arterial blood flows going into the cells, being used into that tissue, the vein venous return, the blood that's coming out after the oxygen used up. Mm-hmm. But portion of that is the lymph fluid okay. and that lymph fluid is basically carrying away any cellular waste. It's taking away um, uh, any properties that the, that the cell left over during the normal digestive process and using mm-hmm. that energy uh, and it goes to the local lymph node and then that lymph node processes that and puts it into the, the lymph ducts back to the lymphatic channel. Now, okay. all of that pours into the lymphatic ducts that's between the shoulder bites. Okay. Right back into the bloodstream to be uh, used Reuse. as blood f- vascularity. Okay. So, to fill the blood vessels or also to uh, go back to the liver to be uh, have that uh, product process that maybe the lymph nodes didn't take care of.
1: Okay. So, sometimes though, lymph nodes get just backed up. So, it's not necessarily lymphoma. It's just like this lump. And I think, you know, like anybody can feel that, like on their neck, like you can still feel like some of your lymph nodes probably mm-hmm. at any given time.
2: Especially just under the chin, you can feel them. There's a, there's a set right there. It's really easy to feel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, probably most of us have had the mumps. That's the lymph glands. And lymph... I didn't have the mumps. Didn't you have the mumps? I did. So you I had Like a big chick mump when I was a little oh, kid. Oh, really? And, and all those glands were swollen up and that was the lymph glands. Yeah. Oh, really? And all that oh. fluid that... Was backed up because the lymph gl- gland couldn't drain that fluid out. Uh-huh. Uh, that'll all swell up like that. So, lymphedema is a consequence of lymph glands being backed up. They okay. get uh, a lot of swelling.
1: So, what do you do for lymphedema? I mean, that's very painful.
2: Yeah, very, very uncomfortable because the fluid can't. And do you get see out.
1: that in dogs and cats?
2: Uh, yep, yeah, definitely. Okay. Especially Wait. on the lower extremities, under, you know, below the knees or below the elbows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that local lymph node' this pre-scapular lymph node is backed up or the inguinal lymph nodes backed up you're going to see a lot of fluid getting stuck in the, in the in the leg and it's called pitting edema so if you push that uh, skin and you leave a fingerprint that's mm-hmm. usually lymphedema if it's just swollen like a like a fracture or something like that it won't leave pitting edema
1: how long does a fingerprint have to stay there for it to be pitting edema and not just you know like a fingerprint that kind of dissolves as you
2: move it away it'll stay there for a long time it'll take several minutes for that to go away oh really yeah it'll eventually ooze back up to uh, to smooth it all in
1: okay so the lymph nodes seem like they need a little maintenance and this is not something anybody really ever discusses they just kind of don't Mm -hmm. even think about lymph nodes why is that
2: well, it's, it, it's not on the radar, and I think it, it needs to be because it's such an important area of the body. Basically, most of the lymph nodes are in the intestinal tract, and 80% of the immune system is in the intestinal tract, so it really needs to be addressed. And one way to do that, most important way, is water. Okay. And it's really hard because most of our pets are on a dry food formula, so they're usually drinking water uh, to supplement. But we have to think about... Dogs and cats, especially, don't particularly use water primarily as uh, hydration. They use their food, so they want to get most of the moisture out of the food first. So, if we're feeding a little bit of wet food, fifty percent of that wet food is going to be water. And so, some pets owners have said, "Well, my pet won't drink as much it, mm-hmm. as much as they should." And uh, one way to get them to do that is is feed them wet food. Oh, okay. And they'll eat the water versus drink the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like the old cliche: can't take it and force yeah, water. Yeah, you can't and make, make them drink, drink anything; you know, they just won't drink it.
1: Yeah, is there anything to entice them to drink more water? Though, like maybe bone broth?
2: Uh, yeah, bone broth could be a good example um, in which you would actually add more water to their diet by mm-hmm. sprinkling it over the food or squirting it in their mouth.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, could be a great way to do that because the uh, the more hydrated they are, and pets should drink somewhere between a half to one ounce of water per body weight pound of body weight so if you got a 10 pound dog 10 ounces five to 10 ounces would be the range of water they mm-hmm. need to drink so you do have to measure that we think about well they're drinking water well how much are they really drinking Are they drinking too little or too much most of the time they're not, not drinking enough uh, you can also tell by the urine output if they're have a nice clear yellow type urine uh, then you know that they're hydrating themselves so if that urine is becoming really concentrated or really stinky they're probably not flushing enough So number one is more water. Um,
1: And then you can also, the whole like uh, thing about diet and it's kind of like in popular diet stuff right now is
2: alkaline. Yeah. Alkaline foods uh, are for dogs would be more of the fruits and most of the vegetables are going to be alkaline. So, you know, soybeans and lent and tofu are good for us as humans for alkalinizing, but for dogs, it's not good at all. Okay. So if we're gonna alkalinize a pet's diet, adding more fresh vegetables, which are steamed,
0: mm-hmm. to the
2: diet can be very beneficial for the lymph system. A little bit of fruit, most dogs don't necessarily like fruit. Um, if it's freeze you know, dried fruit, they can add it to the diet and that's, that's better, but a lot of times they, they'll maybe take apple or take some banana. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes especially grapes.
1: if it's coated in peanut butter yeah absolutely <laughs> anybody yeah. any dog will eat that, yeah,
2: start that down, some but. people
1: say my dog doesn't like peanut butter but honestly i think you can just give it to them they love it yeah yeah
2: it's good to them <laughs> yeah and um and good fat in the diet is so important and it's not necessarily for alkalinity but we think about fat well is it going to make my dog fat and the answer is no um fat the, doesn't make a dog fat fat doesn't make a dog fat okay it's, it's actually good for the gallbladder to keep it flushing and good absorption and less contaminants coming through the gut called leaky gut syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's going to contaminate the lymph system. And doesn't
1: fat like make your cells work better? Yes, they do. So if you have that going, then, you know, you were talking about like the cellular portion of the lymph mm-hmm. nodes and everything. So. Right. The omega-3s.
2: Okay. So the, um, the meat, as we maybe talked about in other shows, the... Um, If they're on cloven-hoofed animals, red meat mostly, Mm -hmm. that's uh, a little bit of sardine to the diet for omega-3s and um, some walnut oil. So if they're eating poultry, a little bit of sardine, flaxseed oil, about a teaspoon a day. Uh, If they're obviously on fish food, then they don't need that because Mm -hmm. EPA and DHA are very important 3 and 6 fatty acids for the lymph system. Okay. Very important for that. All
1: All right. right. I mean, we get dogs coming in here who – because uh, our SRT program profiles the entire lymph system in the body. and It'll tell you like where things aren't going well. But we get a lot of people who bring in animals and, you know, because the lymph system is just like, so kind of out there. Nobody really thinks about it unless there's cancer involved. Mm-hmm. Um, that are like, these dogs are like itching. They're itching over a certain place in their back. It's kind of like a weird location. And sometimes they just have like a jammed up lymph system there.
2: They do because that all has to flow and it's and if it doesn't the immune system is going to react to it on site mm-hmm. because if it's not flowing to the lymph node there's actually channels along the, the, uh, the lymph system and it's it's really neat because it's a fibrous matrix and they've actually showed this on YouTube before what does that actually look like it looks mm-hmm. like a wet spider web yeah. and uh, just moving things along and it's um, and along just like a spider web if uh, something gets trapped there and just stimulates that little fibro, um, you get it these really itchy. yeah, the immune system reacts to that. It's like a spider and comes down and, and wants to handle it there. Oh. That's where you get nodules or or limp, lipomans,
1: mm-hmm.
2: or classic uh, areas of the lymph system that's been congested. Yeah. So and it, itchy spots. And itchy spots yeah. where the itch uh, dematomyositis, psoriatic arthritis, these are two lymphatic based uh, skin. Oh, really? reactions. Oh, Sebaceous really? Sebaceous adenitis, these are. That's another one.
1: Oh, really? Interesting. Um, So, lymph massage, we used to do a lot of that here. We should get back to it. Um, The lymph massage does help, and it's not what you'd think. Um, If you've ever had a lymph massage, you think somebody's going to go in and, like, hardcore, like, drain all your lymph glands and stuff. It's actually extremely gentle.
2: It is. Unlike a massage where they're just pressing down on the Mm -hmm. muscles, that'll move lymph. But a lymph massage is just – basically just touch mm-hmm. just my touch very light touch almost not even touching you and that helps to move because the muscle has to move the lymph system and and when you get that light touch basically your muscles lightly contract and just like a a wave mm-hmm.
1: and, and this encourages the lymph down. gland to drain
2: yeah okay that's the only way the lymph system can move is All through right. the muscle so that brings of up course. exercise
1: yeah okay. exercise that's what i was just going to say okay. so yeah. what's the deal with that
2: well, the uh, the idea is if you get the muscle moving, oh. you're going to get the lymph system moving too. Oh, okay. And so that's going to help the cleanse, and you know the. Uh, you
1: don't have to run a marathon to do that.
2: You don't yeah. have to run a marathon. Right. Just uh, a half hour to an hour a day of some light exercise. Uh, you don't playing have ball, to
1: playing fetch, yeah. uh, playing with the laser pointer, yeah. um, toy mice, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, get some going, get some moving around.
1: Okay. All right. And then pollutants are one other issue when it comes to lymph glands.
2: Yeah. And the, the through the respiratory tract and through the skin, the lymph system is going to be the first line of defense. Okay. So we've all been exposed to, well, a cold, for example. Lymph glands swell up or we feel all congested in the head. Mm-hmm. Or if we came across a particular chemical that was offensive to us and caused our noses, uh, nasal swelling and sinus congestion, mm-hmm. dust. Um, dust you know, mites yeah. very common in the house obviously absolutely I'm sure the dust is really
1: common in our house. oh sure yeah
2: <laughs> we, we got pets so you can have yeah. dust every house does and so uh, but there are pollutants on there so when you're using household products you want to be aware that um, the pets are down on the floor with these products a lot closer yeah. than we are mm-hmm. but use um, environmentally friendly products you know Uh, And just just going
1: back to the basics, if you can, you know, I mean, right now in COVID, it's really hard. It's like, you're looking for anything that's going to kill everything and all the viruses, including COVID. And some of those, like, I even hesitate to breathe that in because, you know, we have to use it here all day in the animal hospital, Um, quaternary cleaners, that kind of thing. And they're very heavy duty. Nurses, human nurses have been shown to have um, big reactions uh, later in life, uh, COPD, uh, a raised, um, you know, ability for that uh, just due to having these heavy cleaners. So I always put a pretty strict warning on it for all my employees to wear a mask, Um, use gloves, don't, just don't get that in your system. But, you know, right now we have to use those heavy duty things. You know, we can't just rely on the old vinegar, baking soda, you know, we're doing, uh, at one point we did some essential oils to do cleaning, cleaning. and you know just trying to stay away from the heavier bleach and stuff like that
2: yeah and then when you use them when you have to use them just make sure it's dry you know use a, uh, I like to use when I mop in the floors so I like to put a fan behind it to get it to dry faster so that you don't have that moisture setting there uh, just keep the pets outside while you're cleaning or in another room just clean one room at a time you know in the uh, But running a fan helps it to dry faster so they don't get the moisture from that liquid on their skin. They're just getting maybe a little light residue when it's dry.
1: Okay. All right. All right. So our next question in uh, the Holistic Vet Advice page, uh, we have a page, and then we also have a group. So those are both on Facebook, and we'd love to hear from you um, on those two pages. So this question is a dog. Okay. So he, you know his whole life he's 10 now would pass gas and this dog never had like an issue with it he'd like do it and walk away and not care like most dogs <laughs> drop the bomb and walk away and anyway this one though had dental surgery and ever since then he has had these really loud really big ones and <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so when he does it she says, when he's awake, laying, standing, sitting, or even asleep, it's a ton of air coming out. It scares him, and he runs away. So, it wakes him up out of a dead sleep, and he takes off running. He's scared of himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is a dog we must help. What can you do for this? Then why? After 10 years of being completely fine, and now he's got these air biscuits that are terrifying.
2: <laughs> well, you mentioned the loudness. You know, if it's if it's getting louder, it's a definitely different. <laughs> <laughs> so it could definitely scare them, um, just the sound the sound effects, I guess, if you will. Uh, but uh, the first question, I guess, you know, is it normal for dogs to have gas? And the answer is yes. Is it normal for them to, for you to necessarily hear that? Not necessarily, mm-hmm. you no. Know, um, there's certain breeds like the Bulldogs that are known to be able to pass gas and, and be very loud about it, boxers as well. Uh, but this when is they, a pug, but this is a pug. Just and so, so the short nose breeds seem to be more gassy than others. But the question is, if we were passing gas before and suddenly now we're frightened of it, um, and it's a lot more though, too, a lot more gassy. Well, anesthesia sometimes slows the GI trend. Mm-hmm. And so just coming out of anesthesia for maybe the first, uh, week to three weeks, the GI tract is getting its motility back. Most of the dogs will get their motility back in two to three days. It can take up to two to three weeks. So when the gut slows down, you're going to get a lot more bacteria. Okay. And so when you get a lot more bacteria, then you're going to get a lot more gas. Okay. And uh, uh, I'm starting to think about <laughs> We're it too starting much. to laugh a little to too much. Little. <laughs> but uh, the-
1: How it, long is that going to last though? I mean, what if he had surgery? I don't know how long ago he had surgery, but- if he had surgery, dental surgery six months ago or something, how long is he going to have to go around like
2: well, that? Well, that's excessive, you know, because we're getting out to past that three week period. So we have to we have to talk about, first of all, how do we reduce the gas? Well, prob- a good probiotic to switch over to more, less gas producing bacteria, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, make sure that, um, that we're cutting out the vegetables like broccoli can cause gas. Um, The stinky gas can be, if they're getting more meat in their diet, it can really clear the room with that. She said it's
1: not that.
2: Yeah, so it's it's not not stinky. So (laughs) make sure we're cutting out. A sweet potato can be very good for gas production because the fibrin, um, you know, basically uh, fills in the space where there's a lot of volume where that gas is held. It'll absorb moisture. It'll absorb gas and and makes it a lot easier uh, to manage that way. So diet, number one. Um, two is that um, there can be other disease processes like hypothyroidism that could cause reduced gastric motility. And so uh, if it's going on for longer than, say, six months to a year, uh, probably checking the thyroid and making sure everything is okay.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know that. The thyroid,
2: um, gallbladder, pancreas, uh, these are all uh, organ systems that um, when we're managing digestive disease um, if there's stress and the gut slows down Mm -hmm. basically you get more bacteria so if we're not getting the right digestive enzymes then uh, uh, that can also cause it as well
1: we have some favorite probiotics here so um, one is made by Nutramax it's Proviable um, that sprinkle caps um, and then they have a kit that has a paste in it Mm. as well so that one We sell a lot of that. We use a lot of that. We use Digest-Aid from Bloom products. They're in Ohio. Um, And I really like that one because it's so palatable. It's made with real cheddar cheese. So dogs love that one. Mm -hmm. Um, And then uh, those are basically our two big favorites for probiotics. Yeah,
2: those are so important, and they're dog-specific probiotics, yes. so that's really important. Um,
1: Cats have their own deal. They have their own gut thing going.
2: Yeah, they have yeah. their own bacteria. They want to be pet-specific. Some questions yeah. about, you know, should I add yogurt to the diet? And uh, uh, Dairy can cause gas. Oh, okay.
1: okay.
2: So we have to be careful of that, and that can be a little different probiotic, so it may not help. Some uh, pets do better on it. Some pets don't it's
1: like lactobacillus or something like that
2: yeah if the dogs are lactose intolerance intolerant which most of them are after their wean oh to not be able to handle milk products uh, sometimes can create some gas but they
1: do well on goat's milk
2: goat's milk kefir um, seem to be you know goat's milk is the natural kind of neutral you can give a baby alligator uh, goat's milk okay because uh, oh really yeah wow that's cool it's neutral good for all of the, uh, all the, all the little babies. Okay.
1: All right. We have one more, um, question from Kathleen. She wanted you to go over the 50, 50 apple cider vinegar mix. Okay. And that was for the mouth rinse.
2: Yeah. What so I just do you. the
1: whole process here.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, if you take uh, 50% water, 50% apple cider vinegar, um, I do a mouth rinse, you rinse one side of the mouth and then the other. They're going to in, do two things. You're going to clean the mouth. So you're going to clean the palate, number one. Number two is they're going to swallow just about the right amount mm-hmm. of apple cider vinegar. Um, and you want to do that daily for up to you know, three to six weeks till you see an effect. Now, what's the effect? Well, first of all, you're going to, we think about if if my dog has really stinky breath, but their teeth are fine. That's usually coming from the stomach, and that bacteria, whenever it stinks, it's bacteria. It's called helobacter. Oh. And helobacter means that your, the gut is too alkaline.
1: And that causes ulcers, doesn't it? That me? can
2: cause ulcers. That can cause, you know, and you can get it in the intestinal tract as well. So uh, helobacter means that the environment is becoming too alkaline, and we're going to add some acid to the stomach. And you think, well, if I ha- drink an acid, isn't that going to make it worse? The answer is no. Because it's not acid stomach that's causing the ulcer. It's the helobacter because we're not getting enough acid into, um, you know, producing enough acid in the stomach.
1: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. So just squirt it in there and it, does it help with biofilm or what does it do?
2: Absolutely. It's, uh, it cleans the palate. So it's going to clean the tongue. Mm-hmm. It's going to clean the mouth. It's going to reduce biofilm because you're, you're making that mouth a little more acidic. Mm -hmm. and uh, bacteria they they want a little more alkaline there's certain bacteria that offer of all ph's but the acid is so important you want a certain amount of acidity in the gut about one to two percent um through the intestinal crack a little bit different you know and um you know and so as far as acidity it's really important
1: all right hopefully we answered your question yeah Kathy, and uh, hopefully your dog uh, will stop being so afraid of itself too. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good day.
0: Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson, again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend.